In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. The world came into being through Him, yet the world did not recognize Him. He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. So begins the Gospel of John. How did they not know, people often ask all these years later. Speaking of those who witnessed Jesus' life but failed to identify him as the Messiah, how could they possibly not know? Well, to answer that question, let's start at the beginning. Let's start with these wise men from the east who traveled hundreds if not thousands of miles to honor the newborn king of the Jews. And as we do, let's pay close attention to where they went first in search of this newborn king. The text reads, and I quote, They came from the east to Jerusalem asking, Where is this child who has been born king of the Jews? They came from the east, it says, to Jerusalem. And here is an enormously consequential detail of the story that is far too often overlooked. The wise men went first to Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem? Because it was the capital, obviously, where else would they go? And then once in Jerusalem, according to the text, they went directly to the palace of King Herod. Why did they first go to the palace of King Herod? Because where else would you go in search of a newborn king? Sure, we often mark the surprise of the incarnate God being born in a manger in Bethlehem. But we don't often mark the surprise of where the incarnate God was not born, which is to say in the comfort of a king's palace. The point here being, anyone can be impressed with a baby born in a mansion. But it takes refined perception to be impressed with a baby born in a manger. Yes, how did they not know, people often ask. How could anyone possibly not have recognized who Jesus was? Well, let's move from the very beginning of the story to the very end. That is, from Jesus' birth to his death. Are you the king of the Jews? asks Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. His question rhetorical because he knows full well that such a person could never be king. This Galilean peasant, this unschooled, unlettered nobody. And then beyond that, 
Let us behold Jesus a day later there on the cross, a crown of thorns placed on his head and a sign above him reading, King of the Jews. These words written in obvious, dripping sarcasm. Which leads to another overlooked part of the story. Why is it so obvious that these words were in fact sarcastic? That everyone knew that this was not the king of the Jews. Because kings don't die on Roman crosses. Understand, here was a man who claimed to be Israel's Messiah, now being summarily executed by the Roman government and not even putting up a fight in his own defense. Oh, anyone can be impressed by power that is high and lifted up in a castle. But it takes refined perception to see power and someone hanging lifelessly on a cross. Yes, from start to finish, the circumstances of Jesus' life argued against his true identity. And so it is, John says, that while the world was created by him, the world did not know him. He came to his own, but his own did not recognize him. How could they not know, we ask? They just couldn't see him. Today is Epiphany Sunday, a day marked off each year at the end of the Christmas season to celebrate the moment when the Magi recognized the true identity of the child Jesus. Having traveled all that way, and after having gone to the king's palace first, these Magi later arrived in this humble place among these humble people, and slowly they entered this humble house. And according to Matthew, quote, upon entering the house, they saw the child with his mother, and they knelt down, and they paid him homage. They entered the house, Matthew writes, and, quote, they saw the child. Here, dear family, is the significance and the point of Epiphany Sunday. The Magi didn't just encounter Israel's newborn king that day. The Magi didn't just encounter Israel's Messiah. The Magi didn't just encounter the incarnate God. No, the Magi recognized him. They entered the house, quote, and they saw the child. Ever seeing but never perceiving, the rest of the world was looking right past this common, humble, unassuming child. But these magi entered the house and they saw him. Yes, as the season of Epiphany begins, it is vital that we understand Epiphany is not just a one-time thing. Epiphany is not just a one-time event. No, Epiphany is an event that happens any time our eyes, like the Magi's, are opened to the reality of Christ all around us. 
Christ plays in 10,000 places, the poet Gerard Manley Hopkins writes, meaning the glory of God inheres everywhere. Through him all things were made, John writes, without him not one thing came into being. Well, the Christmas season, dear family, is about confessing that. While the season of Epiphany is about recognizing it. Later in our service, we will be commissioning our acolytes, our second through fifth graders, who each Sunday open and close our worship services by first carrying the Christ light in, and then later carrying it back out into the world. When Ada, as a small girl, first saw an older child serving as an acolyte, she inquired to me later about the small flame that she had seen the child carrying. That's the light of Jesus, I told her. To which after a pause, Ada said, why is it so small then? And why is it a kid who's carrying it? Well, I told her, this is the way that the light of Jesus appears in the world. It shows up in small, hard-to-see places. And it's usually seen and carried by the people most ready to see it and carry it. Like kids, she asked. Like kids, I responded. Well, all these years later, it strikes me that what I was saying to Ada that day was that children tend to have more refined perception than the rest of us, and that therefore they are uniquely suited to carry the small, often hard-to-see light of Christ into and out of worship for us, helping us as hardened, cynical adults to see anew the Christ whom we have assembled each Lord's Day to worship. In other words, our young acolytes are not only bearers of the mystery. They are likewise vessels for opening our adult eyes to it. And Willa Cather's novel, Death Comes for the Archbishop, her protagonist, a priest, says, quote, Miracles seem to me to rest not so much upon faces or voices or healing power coming to us from far off, but upon our perceptions being made finer, so that for a moment our eyes can see and our ears can hear what is there about us always. Well, that, dear family, is what our acolytes do for us each Sunday. And that, dear family, is what the season of Epiphany is entirely about. It's about our perceptions being made finer. So that our eyes can see and our ears can hear what is there about us always. So that at least for a moment, we can once more see the small, tiny light of Christ as it moves and spreads and continues to heal this broken, cynical world.
Yes, on this Epiphany Sunday, let us pray for the miracle of refined perception, which is to say, let us pray for eyes that can truly see. For Christ does indeed play in 10,000 places, in mangers and on crosses and in children and in all manner of places all around us. He came to his own, but his own did not know him, John writes. But to all who received him, to all who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. Power, John writes, to become children of God. Yes, Christ is all around us, dear family, this day and always. As God's children, we simply have to look with refined perception and thereby see. And all God's people said, Amen.